What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Message Received Pod. My name is Nia Allen, and I'm joined here with Solomon Shorter. Bro, I and just woke up from is... a nap, and oh. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> yes, y'all. But we're going to push through. We're going to push through because this is such an important series that we're starting. We're going to be focusing first today's episode on history and exploitation. Next episode is going to be on mental and maternal health. And then we're going to finish off with moving forward and addressing the inequities that we see today. Oh, cool with me. I hear your words, I know what you're saying. Keep calm, baby. Know what you're saying, yet a message received. Um, I'm so, so first excited of all, about this. What did you say? I said I am so excited about this series. Me you too. Don't understand. Me yes. too. The fact that we're doing a series, like, oh, we're getting into this. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but before we even jump in, like, first of all, how are you, Solomon? <laughs> let's do it. Let's do a quick check in before we like dive into the actual. <laughs> Bro, I just told you I I woke up from a nap. Okay, what happened was Nia called me. We were supposed to shoot this at seven o'clock. She calls me at seven thirteen. She goes, did you see my text? I said, oh, I was knocked out. <laughs> so um, I'm like, good. I'm good. Mm -hmm. I'm good. Yeah. We I love to work that. this morning. So um, how was it? How are you, though? Oof. My shift my shift was, it was low-key busy. Like, I was in the IV room doing a lot of IV compounding, and I also had to batch some stuff, too. So my, mm -hmm. my, my hand is hurting right now, mm -hmm. but it's okay. How are you yeah. doing? Um... <laughs> I could be better. It's the last week of class for me, so I'm like trying to, amen, amen. But I'm okay. trying to like scramble and finish all of these papers because there were no exams, just all written stuff. So mm -hmm. I'm happy for that to be over, just to start fall semester the next few weeks. So yeah, no, really, bro. We start school so soon. Time is literally going by so fast, like. It's cool crazy it needs slow down. um how about how was your weekend <laughs> yeah he asking me because he know we were together and we just had so much fun over the weekend we went to church you know we were out it was just nice it, it was nice and i'm gonna leave it at that very... it was nice <laughs> not you leaving it at that but yeah I'm it was very leave fun it at that. <laughs> But anyways, we enjoyed um, ourselves. We hope you guys have been doing good as well. Sorry, I can't talk to you. Yes, for sure. Um, but yeah, so let's kind of start in with our first segment. Um, we're gonna go back to the what did you learn? Um Ooh, I'm gonna start off first because this actually relates to what we're gonna be talking about in today's episode. But um on August first, um, I believe it was August first. Either way, CNN posted it, all the major publications. Basically, Henri Henrietta Lacks' family, I don't know if you remember that whole case back in the, the 50s, a black woman. No, I don't um, remember. Yeah, so Henrietta Lacks was a black woman who was diagnosed with cervical cancer, um, and she was being treated at John Hopkins, and basically they used her cells for further research without her consent, and she eventually died at the young age of 31. And so this recent settlement, it is confidential, um, was reached um, basically on like the ethical 
use of her cells. And I'm glad that her family is finally able to have some say after so many years. You know, that's been kind of a debated topic. And I'm not sure why it was really debated because she wasn't given consent. So, um, but this is a trend we're going to see and we're going to talk about throughout history. Um, And also throughout the series too. Yeah, most definitely. Um, What did you learn, Solomon? Um, what did I learn? So, oh. I was literally just picking up, uh, like, nap, nap, since I just got, got done with a nap. I just picked up some yeah. nap facts. I feel like my brain is still, like, trying to wake up, too, and I've been up since eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of these interesting facts says that napping can, like, improve your alertness, which is interesting, um, and it also can kick up your caffeine boost. So Ooh. whatever that means. Um, and also like some other things says napping can improve your ability to remember things, which I know is a hundred percent true. And I've, I've listened to other research that says that too. Um, and also a nap in the middle of the day can dist- decrease your stress levels. That's why I took mm. a nap low key. Cause after the shift I had today, I'm like, Oh, I'll be oh, lucky yeah. if I come in tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. See, my problem is I'd be napping every day. I'm gonna find See, a, a time where I could go to sleep. <laughs> I'm not. A, I I've never really been a napper, but I've become a napper, and I'm here for it. Mm, yeah. Here for it. That's great. That's great. Okay. So let's finally get into the more historical approach of our Black Health series. Series. Um, So to start off with the formal definition, since that's kind of a trend we've been doing so far. um, So medical exploitation is to take advantage of an individual for personal gain, and it could take many forms. Um, And as we've seen throughout history, it's something that has been done to people of color, uh, like in the Puerto Rico pill experiments. And um, I do want to say, though, that it has and it still is extremely prevalent within the Black community, especially Black women. Um, early instances would be Sarah Bartman, um, which also is someone that I've learned pretty early on into my education, but she was a South African woman who was subjected to mistreatment and who was hypersexualized during the 1800s and her remains were put on display and weren't properly buried up into the early 2000s. Um, have you heard this story before Solomon? Yeah, I have. So yeah, we wanted to start off with the historical approach so you guys can understand and also for us to understand many of the factors that has contributed to um, the health cares we see running rampant today within the Black community. And although we're giving you guys a Gen Z perspective, we, we face different barriers compared to our parents and other generations. Um, for sure. And so, and I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I was just going to say, I think it's also important to also recognize the lives that we've lost specifically black lives that we've lost at the hands of scientific experiments we can start at you know tuskegee we can start at um i'm sorry tuskegee syphilis experiment we can start there we can also start with the lack of anesthesia for black women during cesarean sections we can go back to so many years where um the medical community essentially thought that black bodies weren't worth anything right and not only was this a notion that was in the medical community but also a notion that 
is in general public too, right? Um, and we also see how it still plays to this day, um, literally to current time. So yes, Black people experience pain just as much as white people do. Black people yeah. experience disease just as much as white people do. And I'm excited to explore that. And I'm also excited to recognize that we have lost people and we continue to lose lose people daily due to health disparities, due to health inequities, and due to so many systemic issues that's happened within the American healthcare system that needs to be addressed. Yeah, that that's so important. Um and it just makes me think of like the whole yeah like black people can't feel pain like almost that like the notion that we're not human you know yes especially yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. past and it's just i just see it especially within now and we'll we'll dive deeper into that but um yeah that kind of goes into my first question just like what has been your experience with receiving health care and like what barriers have you experienced that may be similar or different, like from your parents or grandparents, even if you could remember? Yeah. Uh, I think the first question is, is, is going to say a lot. And I also have to address my privilege here because mm. I've always had health insurance, right? Um, yeah. I've always had health coverage through my parents. And I also have to understand that some people just don't have health insurance, even at our age. Right. Um, so I think, answering that first part is like I've had the access to healthcare. I've had the access to, you know, pharmaceuticals, to my PCP, to to an allergist, right? To us, you know, um, I've I've had access to that. Um and I think when I think about the second part of what barriers do I have I experienced? That's a little bit more complex just because what barriers are we talking about, right? Are we mm -hmm. talking about barriers of just being Black? <laughs> you yeah. feel me? Or are we talking about barriers of, say, uh, like I'm having longer wait times at the local pharmacy because the medicine I use is like not available? Or are we talking about barriers such as um, misdiagnosis, right? Or overprescribing? You feel me? Yeah, um, most definitely. So I, I, it's it's really hard to pinpoint an exact story, right? But it's there for sure. Yeah, I'm black. I have asthma. It's trust me, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely too like I have that privilege of being able to have health insurance because of my parents. But I do know, like, just talking with both of my parents, like, my grandparents, like, they didn't have a lot of the resources that we have now. And it's such a blessing to be able to have that. Um, but also be able to recognize the struggles that they went through. And, like, again, going back to, like, civil rights era, like, the, the things that they had to do and protest for just so we could have the things that we have today. And even today, it's still not, you know, perfect. It's still not, it is a for lot sure. that we need to work on, honestly. Um, so those are, like, the main differ differences. But um, I did want to bring up that um, African-American education has increased drastically since that civil rights era. And over 90% um, of individuals, 25 to 29, 
that has has obtained at least a high school diploma. Um, and that's crazy to me. But it's also showing like our progress in a sense. Um, yeah, and the sure. role having knowledge and understanding and how that aids in what you decide to do with your health problems, how you decide to even your just behaviors in general to prevent certain health problems. Um, yeah. And even like, despite this though, us having increased education, um, we still struggle with the wealth gap, as we know. Um, it's not just a gender thing. Let's let's think about it like this. Black women are the most educated group of people in the United States of America. Black women are also the most likely to die in a in the operating room like uh, mm-hmm. when giving birth, right? Black women have the highest black mortality rates for birth giving women, but they're also the most educated people in the state of in in, in, in the United States of America. And yeah. we know that education is a great equalizer. Education gives us every single thing that we need. Serena Williams was about to die giving birth. That is someone with prestige. It shows that there's people that need help. And it also shows that there's a systemic issue in this country that black bodies are not valued in healthcare. Point. Exactly. Blank, period. Exactly. And representation is so important for this. Like, yeah, you could have the the... the you know, you could be upper class, you could be middle class and still not be able to get the treatment that you actually need. Um, it's just crazy to me. But um, yeah, like I was saying before, like wealth gap is not just a gender thing. It's also a race thing. It's also a sexuality thing. Um, and so last time I checked, this was in 2022. Um, I couldn't really find the updated one as quickly, but um women earning 82 cents for every dollar a man makes. Um, So yeah, when you add all of these other factors, the gap gets even wider. So now I want to move on to medical misinformation and its rise due to social media. Um, I know we've talked about social media before, but we have so many platforms now where people could share their opinions, but they could also share fake news. And prime example, COVID-19. A lot of fake news. Many people, <laughs> especially Black people, began feeding into these ideas that the vaccine was going to make you sick or cause infertility and that COVID as a whole is a hoax without taking the time to do their research. And I don't even, I think it wasn't until like a, a year after COVID first started where the platform started having those um, those pop-ups where it would like be able to differentiate what was fake and what was real to you like a warning almost yeah, um, yeah like the fact checking yeah and although it, it is ignorance it also goes to show you just how generational it is um because a lot of our elderly black people and in our community they were taught that the healthcare industry was more harmful than good um due to again like that lack of representation which we mentioned um and just in general like the toll racism has taken on us you know in all aspects all institutions but it is specifically the medical institution um it is a lot deeper than we think it's a lot deeper than we think it's a um, lot deeper than we think and I, I, I and i think especially if we address the covid-19 issue we have to recognize that some people's concerns were extremely valid right 
and not even putting race into yeah. this. Yes, we didn't recognize that the vaccines could be made as quickly because we use new technology. Yes, it did seem that, well, it, it didn't seem like it did. It was very, very quickly, right? Operation, oper, uh, Operation Warp Speed that was put on by President Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, this is, the COVID-19 was produced very quickly, definitely in a historical context, right? So it's important to recognize those things, but it's also important to bring information in that, 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 that tells the truth. The COVID nineteen did not make me turn into a, zo- a zombie. It just didn't. Like I'm, I'm, I'm here talking to you all right now about Black Health in a part in a part three series. Okay, um, I. But at the same time, it's like, what, what role are these platforms playing into this that allows these things to fester and create conspiracies? Personally, for me, I I think I still have people in my family who aren't COVID vaccinated. Um, mm-hmm. And I also have noticed that when people's jobs were requiring, requiring them is when people were starting to get COVID vaccinated. You know what I mean? Just yeah. because, I mean, like, you, who wants to lose their job? No one wants to, you know, lose their job. But people had to recognize that this is a public health emergency. Yeah. And I don't think, and I don't think from a top-down perspective, I don't think that was emphasized enough, to be honest. And I don't, and I also don't think that vaccine safety was em- emphasized enough. It did kind of feel like, oh, just go to the pharmacy and get your vaccine. Or yeah. wait until you're able to, right? No, we need to explain why we need to get this a vaccine. We need to explain why the vaccine was created so quickly. Um, yeah. And that's what you know, the system there was some failed to do. To put in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's exactly what the system failed to do. Um, And even like, you know, nurses who didn't want to get the vaccine, but just couldn't understand like how this was a public health uh, emergency kind of stood out to me. But um, and just also the influence and having the power to come up with these these images or skits. I'm going to say skits because they were not real of people pretending like they had seizures after getting the vaccine, like all of that, people don't realize how much influence, you know, social media or even having any sort of following could have on other people. Um, So it's important that we stay conscious that we're doing our research. We're trying our best to stay educated. Um, But also like calling out the system, like you just said, like there definitely should have been, more infographics, just more accessible information and resources on why, not how to get the vaccine, but why. What is important? Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I challenge us to think about historical context of propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. Propaganda such as "Come do my experiment for research." Yeah, get paid as much money but get zero money at the end of the day and also die, right? Mm-hmm. Or be affected with life longing and life-lasting diseases and pains. And, and you're, you're literally a different person when you walk out of that room. Yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about historical context. Of, like I said, again, black bodies are not valued in medicine. <laughs> it's very hard yeah. to say. 
very, very hard to say, but it's really the truth. We've seen it happen over and over and over and over and over again. I feel like the system has just told Black people for so many years that we need you until we don't need you, specifically Mm -hmm. in that, like, academic research sort of realm Mm -hmm. to, like, develop drugs, develop vaccines. And it's so sad. So when we speak of just how generational this stuff is and going back in history, um, what are some things that we could do both not only on a systemic level, but like on a social level to attempt to deconstruct these systems? And do you think it's something that we could do or successfully deconstruct anytime soon? I think I'm hopeful uh, just because I do research in this field and I'm hopeful that it can be done. But I understand that people just I understand that black people are in the position to make it to, 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 you know, to get it done from a systemic issue, from a from a social structural issue. Like we don't even have the position. And when I say positions, I mean, like we're not the CEOs of like these big healthcare companies. We're not the CEOs of these big old insurance companies. Right. But at the same time. You have to you have to go to that first part where you said socially, and I do think there is multiple social things that we can do in order to decrease healthcare disparities. Right? Let's first talk about community based medicine. Listen, if you see your your pops or your cousin or your auntie or somebody isn't taking their medicine, you better tell them to take that medicine. Take it every single day too. Right? Take it every single day too. If you if you see that somebody is being treated wrong, you better stand up for that person, right? And I think ways for me to do this, for us to do this in ways that I've been exploring through my own research, is increasing is increasing the presence of advocates in medicine, specifically advocates for black patients. Um, whenever you go to the doctor, make sure you have your 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 three questions ready. Like Yeah, you know, that's so important. Oh my god. What am I here for? How are we going to fix this? Is there any concerns that we should have? Like, make sure you have your three questions. And at the same time, I'll always have an advocate for you, right? If you're a Black woman going to pregnancy, have someone that can be a doula, right? They don't have someone that can support you. Have somebody that can stand up for you when you, when you're, when, when you can't stand up for yourself, right? That's what we're here for. Like, that, that's what we need more of. Also, in emergency rooms, let's increase the presence of social workers. Let's increase the presence of of a healthcare team that is well-rounded socially. That has not happened, but it needs to happen. Because when social workers are present, we're able to recognize, because doctors don't do this that well, patients have an extremely social tie that a lot of people don't recognize. When a patient presents to the ED with chest pains for three days, some of the questions will be, you know, why didn't you come sooner? Well, I couldn't come sooner because I had to work. Or I couldn't come sooner because I don't have insurance. And I wanted to see if it was going to go away, but it didn't go away. I couldn't come sooner because I didn't have transportation. I couldn't come sooner because I needed to wait to payday in order to get an Uber to get here, right? Not only that, let's also talk about um, how social workers can increase after care, you know, after someone has left the hospital, where is this patient going to go to make sure that they're, that they're following up with all their care? 
who is this patient going to contact in order to get a PCP in order to monitor their, their blood pressure and diabetes, right? Listen, 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 listen. The jobs can be created. The access and the willingness to create those jobs just isn't there. Hmm. Also because there's not that much research behind it. I mean, there's research behind, you know, healthcare disparities, but there's not that much research about how we could better people's outcomes. Specifically, how could we better black people, black patients' outcomes when it yeah, comes not to that much funding. Exactly funding. that too. Yes. It's like you could research all you want as well, but like at the end of the day, I mean, America is a capitalist country. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, what resources, what money are you going to put into these institutions and in these communi- communities mm-hmm. um, that have so many barriers? Yeah, what are you going to do? And that's why I think a lot of it, part of that change, and I know we talked to Angel, a lot of it is political. A lot of it is through our laws, which help run these systems. I think that's so important. Um far as like... <laughs> helping like past generations like my my grandmother she is so stubborn i love her to death she is so stubborn though so what i've been doing which i see kind of helps is um taking taking her to my doctor appointments or going uh to her doctor appointments and like being like sometimes it's hard too with a lot of a lot of the medical terminology doctors use for them to fully understand you know, what's happening, what sort of medication, what is it for? And being able to have someone to kind of like translate that to you, you know, in your own, like black people, we have our own language. I like to say we have our own language. So, mm-hmm. um, and just, I, I see the difference in how she's starting to perceive And it's medicine. not called A-A-V-E. It's called Ebonics. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Get it right. <laughs> But no, um, sometimes you just have to like, you have to keep trying. Do not give up when it comes to your parents or your grandparents or just those you love who are so um, reluctant to receiving care. And we need to get out of this whole ideology that Black people have to remain strong and just pull through. We have been through a lot as a community. Yes. You know, let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do a research experiment right here. I have a hypothesis by increasing visibility of other people and the doctor's room between patient and physician interaction. So at least having one advocate in the room is going to increase the outcome of, of, of that patient, right? So that's my hypothesis. Yeah. My research will, experiment honestly. is that <laughs> I, my research experiment is that Nia went to the doctors with her grandma and she left the office a little bit more understood, right? And she left the office a little bit more confident, right? That's my research. My conclusion is that having an advocate with you. <laughs> Not you get loud. <laughs> <laughs> because, bro, I, I, because it's so important. It's so important yeah. to have other people in, in the office with you, man. It's, 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 it's crucial. It's very, very crucial. Yeah. Too many black people are dying because of un because of preventable because of, you know, preventable diseases. Yeah. 
This is a, a very interesting that complex be, that we're going through. Yeah. And people just don't recognize it. They don't. A lot that could be prevented through diet, exercise. We just talked about Nothing those same simple. barriers. We talked about, okay, environment. Is, do you feel safe in your environment to be able to exercise outside? You know what I mean? Right. Things like that, that prevents them from even getting to that first step. But also, but also there's research that says, what greenery are you around, right? Mm. Black people are more likely to be in urban, like, you know, in the urban, in the city, right? In With city. very little greenery, very little parks, right? The amount of greenery that you are exposed to decreases your, your risk of cardiovascular disease, literally. If you if you live by a park, if you go outside, you're more you're less likely to be affected by cardiovascular disease. But if you, if you live where there's very little greenery, you're you know, cardiovascular yeah. disease is a concern for you. But also, let's talk about sound. Right, sound noise also affects our not only mental health but also cardiovascular cardiovascular disease. It increases hypertension. It increases diabetes. You want me to keep going? Because I can go on. Oh, day. let's talk about um in our past episode of labels, quote unquote, food deserts. Let's talk about a food apartheid. And if you haven't listened food to that apartheid. episode, you need to go listen now. I live downtown Detroit. The closest grocery store to me is Whole Foods. Be for real. Who's gonna buy ten dollar grapes? Like I said, Who, you know, Who, who's gonna exactly. do it? And also, at 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 what areas are 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 people living? Where, where's the closest grocery store where they can get fresh produce, right? Mm-hmm. And also where they can get access to a variety of meal options. Yeah. It's systemic, people. It's very it's challenging. Dependent. It's a very challenging social structure that we have created. And sometimes we, we are, and honestly, we're only maintaining it. We're not breaking yeah, it down. Seriously. It needs to be. Like, it needs to be broken down, but it's being maintained right now. It's being maintained, and it, it just like having this conversation just makes me realize just how many, just different institutions. How it, it's all around us. It's like where do we even begin? Like it's everywhere, and it's so hard. Like like you said, we're maintaining this. We're maintaining, or you can somewhat argue building this up again. So it's like hard to even. Yeah, especially when we don't have diversity within the political sphere, within the law. It, it's, it's hard. It's yes, hard. it is hard. So our next question, how do you think instances like the Tuskegee syphilis experiment and the Henrietta Lacks case has changed things um, on a systemic and familial level? Again, just what this whole like episode is about, it's definitely put fear into a lot of Black people, especially the older generation, um, to make them more reluctant to receive care um, because there's like that lack of trust. And today, again, doctors are not really working towards building that and recognizing that. That's why I also think is is so important for doctors um, to have some sort of background within public health before just jumping straight into medicine, because often medical school doesn't really address those issues. And so then you're left with someone that, okay, may know how to treat this person, but only under these specific circumstances, not recognizing that person's experience, that person's background, 
you know, not looking at the layers of the issue, just what they see from the textbooks. To believe um, it or not, the medicine part is the easiest part of medicine. Right. Mm, Doctors yeah. go to school for four years. They You are... know what's crazy? Not to cut you what? off, I'm so sorry. But I was talking to um a doctor a few months ago. Um and he works in ER. Um, but it was so interesting to me because he's trying to, you know, encourage me within my career to pursue medicine. But he's like, really anybody could go to medical school, become a doctor. It's really a lot of like repetition. But then it made me think like, oh, wow, this is kind of dangerous then. If it's a lot of repetition, repetition, there's no like critical analysis, that public health sphere I'm talking about, that component that they're not really taught. So they're kind of like, okay, here's your textbook. Here are these definitions. I'm going to show you some pictures of how to treat this problem on a on a white individual, and we're going to send you off. So, but my bad. Yeah. No, I, I, I see exactly where you're coming from. And yeah, it is repetition. And that's also what I'm saying. Like, the medicine is the easy part, right? The social, the social, the, the the social part of medicine is the hardest part for a lot of physicians, because that's where they get it wrong. And not only is that's where they get it wrong, that's just not where they're taught at. But also, what you were just saying is that, yeah, I think that since medicine is the easy part for a lot of people, it also can get, you know, it also can get to be a little bit dangerous too, because it's like, you know, we're treating patients by textbook, by textbook, by textbook. But when an Asian American patient comes in, right, and we recognize that. Say that. Yo, you're kind of stuck now because it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. this yeah, is yeah. something it's... that's not familiar. <laughs> right, right, right. When an Asian American comes in presenting to the ED with, I don't know, anything, right? Um, with 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 complaint of 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 abdomen pain, right? Um, right. We're gonna treat this patient one way, right? And then what will happen is that, you know, a black patient will come in with the chief complaint of, you know, abdominal pain too. And we're going to treat the same patient the same way that we just treat this Asian American patient without recognizing that there's a differential diagnosis that we must identify with every single patient. Just because a patient presents to the ED with abdominal pain, uh, um, lack of urinary uh, movement, and also lack of a bowel movement doesn't mean that this patient that, that these two patients have the same have the same diagnosis right? right um and while we get it wrong right while we get it wrong continuously sometimes we get it right and, and i think that's also important to recognize but you know there has to be a middle ground but the the middle ground is so skewed <laughs> Right. <laughs> the mutual ground is just extremely skewed, which is why, um, which is very problematic. But to kind of to focus on that Tuskegee part, I know someone whose family was directly affected by this Tuskegee mm -hmm. experiment. Um, and I asked this person, I was we were just talking. Right. Um, and we were talking about uh, the COVID-19 vaccine. And they said a lot of people in their family hasn't gotten the vaccine and they didn't either at that point. And I was like, why? And they were like, well, it's actually because my family is directly affected by the Tuskegee experiment. Therefore, we don't even trust medicine like that, you know? Mm. 
Yeah. So let's recognize that there's still historical context that that's still playing out to this day. And people like experiment wasn't that long ago. I was literally just going to say that, like the media likes to portray a lot of these things as like something that happened centuries ago. When again, we know people who were directly affected, whose family were directly affected from it. Right. And yeah, it's like you're gaslighting us. (laughs) You're gaslighting us into thinking oh, this is something that is so long ago. Like our, our system is great now. Our, our healthcare has expanded, made so many achievements. It has in a sense, but when it comes to our community, it hasn't. It has a lot of shortcomings. It has um, a lot of shortcomings. And so hopefully that's something that will improve with representation, Black representation, not just of doctors, but all healthcare professionals. Um, we need diversity in all institutions, to be honest. Yeah, um, I guess this, this is kind of, you know, segueing into the next question is how does representation yeah. help? Yeah. Um, you know, black, yeah. black doctors are 5% of the workforce, 5%. Yeah. It's important to have, see a black person in such a leadership role. Um and we relate to each other. We understand the struggles we've been through. So having a doctor who doesn't understand, you know, your problems or what you've been through on that same level, you know, it, yeah, it prevents you from seeking help. So I think representation is the number one thing. We we look at it as something easy or it could be easily done, but it, it's very hard. it takes a lot. It takes a lot because we have yeah. to work 10 times harder to get in the same spot as a white person. We do. Like you were saying, there's research that proves that when black patients are treated by black physicians, their health outcomes are 10 times better if they're treated by white physicians, right? Um, But also there's that also there's that other question that goes against the the general consensus of like, oh, no, you know, if it's a black patient or white patient, everybody should be treated the same. Well, it doesn't happen that way. It does not happen that way. Um, and that that normally comes from someone who is like privileged, you know. Um, <laughs> um, but also what you were just saying, there's that representation question too. And it also goes beyond representation. It goes beyond knowledge, right? It starts in kindergarten. It starts in kindergarten when we need to start teaching our kids science classes a little bit more. It starts in middle school when STEM needs to become an actual topic of learning that is focused on and it's concentrated. It starts in high school when people are allowed to explore whatever career options they have an interest in. It starts in college when black, yeah. when, 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 when there's resources for students to come and understand and be welcome. The problem is, is that I'm the only black kid in the class of 300. I have zero yeah. people to relate to. Right. But there's zero is, people, you know what I mean? Um, and this is a very rigorous course, right? That, that, that's, that's the issue that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also outside of that, it's like, not only do we need more black physicians, we need more black dentists. All my doctors are black. I know that's so. right. <laughs> I know that's oh right. And, it, and it's hard to find literally a team full of black healthcare professionals. It's, we're just oh, talking yeah. about therapy, especially. Like, it's hard. It is so hard. But once it's you very do, hard. it's like, man. I needed you a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you gotta put in that work and it's like 
dang, we shouldn't have to, but we have to. We have to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. And that was the last question. We're going to wrap things up on this very important topic of history and medical exploitation. Um, so now we're going to move on to our next segment, which is controversial statements. And as many of you, you already have know heard, what we're talking about, <laughs> the Alabama brawl. I wish we need to put in some sound effects. Some doom, doom, doom. But, um, Oh my gosh. When did you hear about it? Did you hear about it when it first came out or a little bit no. later? Because I personally heard it later. Listen, I hear everything like I always hear it. I, I'm always very late. I'm always late. So I was scrolling on like Facebook and Instagram and I saw so many memes about chairs and a fight. And I'm going to tell my kids that this is the Boston Tea Bar or whatever they were talking <laughs> about. Um, I, <laughs> um, so I was found out very late and mm. I didn't, and I was confused because I heard about a chair and then I also heard about the fight and I was like, is this the same thing? I still don't know if it's the same thing. It's, it's the yeah. same thing, right? Or is it? Yeah, it, it's the same oh, thing. See? Yeah. Yeah. I was very much late. Yeah. It was like a group of white individuals who I guess they were pissed off by a black employee there. I can't. I don't know exactly what he said to kind of trigger it, but they just no, started. They were literally in the way that it was a big old commercial boat mm -hmm, that was right. needing to dock. Right. Mm -hmm. And these white entitled people literally kept their boat there for like 45 minutes. They said not moving their pond. 45 boat. minutes this is crazy. Crazy. But I do so know. I guess a, so I guess a co-captain, right came off of the commercial boat with like a smaller boat came to talk to them to move their thing because the captain was like over the loudspeaker saying move your boat move your boat we need to dock right here and they would not move the boat yeah and if that was a white captain things would be different but i digress but it's also um, the entitlement to like just sit there and yeah, with your small little flimsy boat and not let a commercial <laughs> boat dock you know what i mean yeah, it, it, that is crazy. But I do know when that hat came off, woo! Everybody's talking about when he threw his hat, the black employee, that was a bat signal. Our community is going to step. We are not going to tolerate any disrespect. And the fact that so many people were quick to defend and protect him is amazing to me. Yes, it He's was violence. And I wish it He's never got, even got to that point. I hate that it even got to that point. But it's the fact that everybody was like, oh, hold on. You're, you're not about to do this. Your white entitlement is not about to work right here. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. In person for me, I'm not a violent person or am I that? Mm, am I confrontational? I'm not confrontational. Mm -mm. I'm, not com I'm not a confrontational person, nor am I no. like a violent person. So like I haven't really watched that video all the way through just because I know the first few like the first few seconds alone were like a lot for me just to yeah. see like two white men beat up a black man because like the last occurrence traumatic. of that was like Ahmaud Arbery who was like killed because he was like running and also like we often don't see a lot of black people we often don't see a lot of white people like beating on black people unless they're in a police uniform so like mm. I just had no interest to like watch that to be honest but I've you know I've, I've, I haven't watched the whole thing it was a bit I couldn't get through the first few, so. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It, it was honestly crazy. It was just so much chaos, so much going on. Um, 
but the fact that this happened in Alabama too. Oof. I heard it was at like a like a like a slavery oh. port. Yes, I heard that. That was makes at, it even yes. more terrifying. No, it makes it even more pro-black because that was the ancestors. <laughs> that was okay? the, exactly that the was that was the was ancestors calling. calling from their their shackles and their chains that they once walked on that same pier, right? Yeah. Mm. And I also heard I was listening to another wonder... podcast today, and I also heard that there was like some people there like a few hours before praying homage to the ancestors, and they were like laying down flowers and stuff like that. Oh, wow. So that 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 was a that was an ancestral, yeah, behind whooping. Okay, that reminded me of I don't know if you've heard of Lake Lake Lanier in Georgia. Why do people keep going there? Yeah, stay away. Exactly. If someone drowned recently trying to swim, it, it's like, come on, y'all, come on, y'all. Do you know how this country was built? Yeah. This is funny because this Alabama brawl thing, I meant Birmingham brawl. What is it called? Birmingham, it's Al- right? Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. Yeah. So this brawl has made it everywhere. 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 Songs. Like yeah. I was, I was listening to my up first NPR podcast this morning and they were talking about this brawl. I'm like, y'all done made it to NPR. NPR, <laughs> yeah. man. NPR. Everywhere. And I think they also got convicted. Um, yeah. Or charge, I should say. Um, last, three, three of the white individuals. Last thing yeah. I heard is that all the white folks was was charged. And I hope Good. it stays that way. Good. Uh, no, seriously. Black people deserve not to be charged in this instance. Yeah. We were defending. Especially you're beating on someone who didn't deserve it, like, for no reason. Very odd to me. You um, know, what I did watch is that chair clip. I, I watched the chair ooh, clip. That was brutal. That the was fact deserving. that a chair could make all it of it was that. deserving. It, oh yeah, it was definitely deserving. But it just made me realize, like, dang, uh, that chair was hard. You, you heard the the smack, <laughs> like he. Whew, I would like to see the injuries that Listen, came out. I'm of that telling fight, you, cause... I'm telling you. And folding chairs was invented by a black man. Everything about by a black person. Everything about that fight was very much ancestral i'm saying it was it was a calling of our native of those calling from the motherland to beat that yeah mm. mm-hmm. beat that beep play stupid <laughs> games win stupid prizes y'all okay if you want to play stupid i'm gonna play stupid too mm-hmm. and whoop that mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you guys for joining in to our first episode. This is just the introduction into this series of Black Health. We hope you enjoyed this. Um, And make sure y'all catch up on these past episodes, please. Oh yeah, we gave y'all a week of catch up. We gave y'all catch up. We hope y'all caught up because this is important. Um, More people need to hear about stuff like this. And only way they could hear is from your support, from your sharing, your liking, your commenting. Um, so yeah, just, you know, for the people who's been showing us love, thank you so much. Um, we really do appreciate it. It keeps us going and we're so excited to just continue on this journey. Um, is there anything you want to, uh, say Solomon? Yes, there is one thing I have to say. We do have a comment of the week. Um, it comes from Wayne and he says, Hey Solomon, I just wanted to let you know. 
No, I just finished listening to your new episode about social um, society and labels. And I think this one is my favorite thus far. It was so good. I really learned a lot about everything, uh, about everyday labels that we use, but never really took into consideration other connotations it has. Thank you so much, Wayne. We really do appreciate that. But yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Um, But yeah, there's nothing else I have to say. So we'll see y'all later. All right. See ya. Peace out.